So the last shall be first, and the first shall be last. Please be seated. Most of us watch television or movies. Many of us drive cars or ride buses or get rides in cars. And those things, like so many things in this life of ours, cost money. Some of those things we pay for are just things that we need. We need groceries. We need to keep the heat going. Some we buy because they bring pleasure or even joy. And some are, th are things that we buy or invest in or even support through our generosity or our philanthropy, which allow us to co-create with God a world that is more loving, more just, and more humane. We are connected to one another through a web of material things. Now, one of those things, streaming movies, if you love great movies, this is the best time in the history of ever. I mean, you can sit on your couch and watch anything that's ever been made, and it's great. But that has meant a major disruption for those people who make, who create this stuff, and how they get paid for the work that they do. Which is why the writers and the actors in Hollywood have gone on strike. The United Auto Workers strike is different, but it's really the same. We're in a moment where, as a culture, we are shifting our understanding uh, of what mobility means, shifting it not fast enough, in my opinion. Uh, at the same time, it's changing uh, what, we under, what, what we buy, what we drive, what we're in, and, once again, how the people who create and build these things uh, are paid for their work and how they, how they provide for themselves and for their families. So, so these strikes, like so many other things, raise the age-old question, what is fair? What is fair? Today's gospel passage challenges our, our good old common sense. It rubs up against our ingrained sense of fairness. Laborers are called, into, called to work in the vineyard. They're called in the morning. But when another set of hands shows up at the end of the day, they get the exact same pay as the ones who'd started at daybreak, who'd been there, uh, who had tired backs and tired hands and were sunburned for being under the scorching heat, who could just as well have been somewhere else the whole day long, but were not. And they get upset. They say what I think most of us would say, which was, this isn't fair. This is not fair. What, what's the phrase that economists would use? I, I think they'd call it moral hazard. 
what would happen if if stop would you, folks would just stop showing up to work at the beginning of the day because we all know that you know if you show up at noon or if you show up an hour before closing time you're going to get the same pay so all of a sudden no one's going to show up no one's going to work no one's going to have food no one's going to eat most of us hear this passage and we say you know, I think I see where Jesus is going with this, but still, it, it isn't quite right. And yet, this, this parable gets at a core teaching of the Christian faith. Even the ones who show up midway through the day, or even at the very end of the day, get the same pay, they get the same benefits, they get the same grace. They get the same access to the holy. They get the same access to God, to eternity. Now, I'll foreshadow a little bit here. There's even a little bit of stewardship message here, right? Because think about this. Okay, Bill, Bill read earlier today, so I'll, I'll use you, Bill. Let's say Bill uh, gives generously 10, maybe even 20% of his income, or you liquidate your Tesla stock and you lay it on the altar, generously, abundantly. And then I come behind and maybe I throw a 10 in the plate once every couple months. Guess what? The choir is going to sing just as beautifully for me as they do for you. We're not going to serve you the top-shelf communion wine and save, save something aside for Owens because he didn't chip in, right? That, that would seem ludicrous to us. That just is not how we practice our faith together. But when we think about wages... And those, those laborers who spent all day in the sun only to see that they were paid the same amount, that, that doesn't seem fair. But you know what? It isn't fair. God isn't fair. Now, I don't mean that the same way uh, that your parent told you that, that life isn't fair when you, you didn't make the basketball team or, or a friend moved away or something heartbreaking happened. That's just, that's just what do we say? It is what it is. Um, it, it never really is, but we say that. That's just life being disinterested and really less than fair. Fairness implies a sense of parity, that we get what we deserve, what we have worked for, insofar as it compares to what everybody else got. But that is not God's fairness. Rather, God, and this is what the parable is all about. God loves and creates in a way that transcends our sense of fairness, which will always be hampered by our small human vision. Fairness seems right, but really it just assumes a sense of scarcity that there's only but so much to get around, so let's just make the best of a bad situation and make sure that we divvy this up in a way that is right. But God's desire is for us all to know the fullness of life, 
what unconditional love really is and to have for each of us to truly have what we need, which goes so far beyond fairness. And so, no, God is not fair. And thank God for that. The laborer has what he needs. He has work. He has pay. He has enough for the day. And that sense of enough is what grounds his relationship with God. And that, friends, is what abundance really is. Not overflowing barns or a stock portfolio that, that promises to buffer you against all of life's volatility but rather the trust that we place in God at the beginning of every day. The trust that we will get what we need and far more. But when I say more, I don't mean more stuff. I don't need, mean more wealth. What I mean is the joy that comes from knowing and trusting that God has provided for us. But that's not how the laborer feels. He, he's kind of grumpy by the end of this passage. Uh, I, I think what he's doing is channeling the rest of us in so many ways. Because rather than experiencing the fullness of that joy, the laborer turns out to be as stuck as many of us are. What comparison, the old saying goes, is the thief of joy. It's so true. The laborer gets mad at the latecomer. He gets mad at the landowner, too. This is a master class in how the material world touches our spiritual lives. And this laborer, it turns out, he may well have been right about fairness, but he was wrong about abundance. He agreed to a wage that was enough. And the reality of what this other worker, all the other ones who showed up at different times throughout the day, what they were getting in no way changed that he was doing just fine. So now he's just all up in his head. And what happens when we go up into our head? We stop seeing what's right there in front of us. And we start thinking, well, they've got that and I should have had that. And then that's where we stumble away from abundance and begin to worry. And we begin to see only the scarcity that we think is all around us. The landowner says, did you not get what you needed? Is it for you to decide how I run my vineyard? Do you somehow expect my rules to be the same as yours? And then finally, and this was the burn of all of them, why are you jealous because of my generosity? Comparison is the thief of joy. To find joy and experience God's abundance, I think what we have to do is recalibrate our material lives to a deeper sense of enough. And that's what we see all throughout Scripture. When the Israelites were wandering through the desert, for year, for the, through the wilderness, for years at a time, they were angry and exhausted. They were grumpy and probably just desperate for a place where they could take a shower and charge their phones. They cried out to God, who gave them enough. Enough for the day. That's it. That's all they got. 
enough for the day, flaky bread, an almost ephemeral meal that showed up with the morning dew and that was gone almost as quickly. Some quails that had wandered into their camp. Not a great feast. It was nothing that could weigh them down. But it was enough for the day. It was what they needed. An old Buddhist monk uses a cup of tea to describe it. He says, as someone is pouring tea for him into his cup, he says, please don't fill my cup too high. Because then it would just slosh over and then burn my hand. And you know what? If you fill it up just all the way to the brim, I might get a few more sips of tea. Yes. But you know, um, one, I'm not sure that really changes my experience of the tea. And then, and then more to the point, I'm going to have to be paying attention to how I walk to make sure I don't spill this thing. And suddenly I'm focusing on not spilling and not actually enjoying the tea like I'm supposed to be. This is about far more, though, than tea or quails or even a day's pay. This is what Ched Myers called Sabbath economics, where we turn our ideas of fairness upside down. The last shall be first and the first shall be last, where we seek God's abundance rather than our narrow understanding of fairness. Remember what the economists would call this passage? Moral hazard, where suddenly good work is, is disincentivized. Where then is the cry of moral hazard when workers cannot pay for groceries? while top management are paid a king's ransom. What is moral hazard if not cheap goods that raid natural resources while keeping the hands that assemble them in poverty? Our economy is changing before our eyes. Where, where each of us, if you're using a phone, we are creating reams of valuable data for advertisers and corporations who will take that to the bank, and yet a policy that, li that clearly lifted children out of poverty. Do you remember $500 for every child in need? Is the one that gets labeled a moral hazard. Where are the cries when we incentivize massive barns of wealth for some while we ignore those in the cold? just outside those barns. You give me fairness, and I'll respond that God isn't fair. God was never fair. God transcends fairness. God's vision is for human flourishing and human fullness, not just a proper redistribution. God transcends fairness, which in our fallen world turns out to be quite malleable and seems to end up with some barns getting bigger while other folks are getting colder. And we built our material world around something far different 
than enough for the day. And in doing that, we have managed to turn God's infinite abundance into a very human, zero-sum game. This is not God's way. This is not God's economy, where fairness starts as a standard, but soon becomes a stumbling block. In God's economy, there were two workers, and both had enough for the day, because God's love for each of those people was infinite. That's where we begin. Teach us, we pray, not to be anxious about earthly things, about things passing away, but to love things heavenly. Help us to understand that joy by knowing the meaning of enough. Over the coming five weeks, this is the part I, I, I hinted towards, we will ask you to prayerfully consider how to support the work, how you can support the ministry and mission of Trinity Cathedral. You will hear about ministry and choirs and outreach and congregational life. And what I want you to think about is not only what is enough, but what level of giving will help you to rest in God's abundance. That's why we're naming this God's, uh, my goodness, I've forgotten the theme. My brain is sneaking right out. Joyful giving God's abundance. Thank you. Because it's about learning what that abundance is and finding joy in it. And yes, there are so many ways to give. We give financially. We give of our time. We give of the skills and gifts that we have been given. But what I want you to do is think about how to give in a way that helps you to rest in God's abundance. To go from being jealous about from what others have or bitter for what you know well that you've earned to rather being content with what God provides for you and continues to provide for you. To have the right amount of tea in your cup so that you can enjoy it properly. To find joy and experience God's abundance. Find your enough and love the world from that place. Amen.